0: You're tuned in to another episode of Recruitment Entrepreneurs by Recruit CRM. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Recruitment Entrepreneurs by Recruit CRM. And today I have Nader Bashara with me. I think if I butchered that name, Nader, apologies. No, you got it right. And and thanks a million for doing this. Really appreciate it. Uh, and and I've, I've known Nader for a couple of years now. Uh, so this is not a random podcast recording with, with folks that don't know each other. Uh, I know him from our relationship with Recruit CRM uh, at his previous company. Natter was one of the earliest adopters of Recruit CRM, one of our first 100 customers. And that's how we got to know each other. And now as an entrepreneur, I'd love to share your story with the rest of the world. So and and before we get go deep into your current business, Natter, can you tell us your life story? Like, you know, where did you grow up? What was your dream job growing up and how did you end up in the crazy
1: world of recruitment? Um, Yeah, so um, firstly, Sean, congratulations on all the success you've had with Recruit CRM. It's been a couple of years and I've seen how well you're doing and it's it's always inspiring to see someone doing well. Um, My my backstory, I suppose, I I mean, I grew up in Brighton my whole life, spent my whole life here and um, I've always wanted to be a recruitment consultant.
0: And, and for folks that don't know true. where Brighton is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that is not true. But but for folks that don't know Brighton is where where in the UK is Brighton?
1: Uh, Brighton is in the south coast, so it's it's about an hour away from London, give or take, uh, awesome. by train.
0: Cool. And and so, what was the dream job going up uh, outside <laughs> of the lies about being a recruitment
1: consultant? <laughs> no, it wasn't a recruiting consultant. I've always actually wanted to be a race car driver. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I love I love cars. I mean, I enjoy Formula One, and it would have been a dream job of mine to actually be a professional who, who, race car. Who's your driver.
0: favorite? Who's your favorite race car driver?
1: Oh, L- Lewis Hamilton, of course. My generation. He's you know yeah. we have grown that, up watching like, one of the best.
0: That's like a cliche, right? Because he always wins, and like, <laughs> like everyone's like, "That's my favorite race car driver." Uh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's that's amazing. And and so, when did you realize that that wasn't happening? Because at some point, you realized, right? I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna play football for. a Premier League football club or or be a race uh,
1: football When did that happen? <laughs> well I mean look, I had um, you know I grew up with Egyptian parents who will always keep you grounded with your thoughts and yeah. you know your ambitions of becoming a, a superstar of any sort. Um, you know they always wanted to keep me in school doing well at university and, and things like that that was their focus. Um, but I, I never I knew I'd never really do it. I never actually explored it and and committed to it is just one of those things I wanted to grow up doing. So okay. you know, the second thing I've actually always been passionately interested about is business. Um, growing okay. up. I mean, I studied business both at college and university. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of business books and I just I just love a success story, a business success story. So I knew at one point, I suppose I probably will end up being, you know, a businessman of some sort or or run my own run my own show. So and then
0: so how, what was your first job then growing up, like first paid
1: job? First paid job. I so I grew up in Brighton, which is on the seafront. Um it's a pebbly seafront with deck chairs. My first paid job was to run up and down the beach and collect the deck chairs. <laughs> I was on like yeah, yeah it's like three pounds an hour or something like that to, to run around and do that. That's cool. Um and then I worked on a cafe on the seafront for a little while during summers in between college years.
0: Got it. And and what was your first adult job, like once college was over? What was sort of like the
1: first job you did? Uh, the first job I did, I was a paralegal. Um, so I, I studied a law degree um, with the goal in mind to, to become a solicitor um, and finishing my degree. My first paid job was as a paralegal in a, in a small law firm in Brighton, um, focusing on family law and criminal law. Uh, okay. I, I did that for about six months, um, gearing up to do my um, Two years training to become a, a you know a solicitor, um, but I pulled out of that very quickly and went into recruitment.
0: Got it. Super cool. So so Nader, now how did you get into
1: recruitment?
0: Right? How was how did you get your that first recruitment job that happened?
1: Um. So as I mentioned, I was working as a paralegal in this law firm, um, about to train to become a solicitor, but. Committing to that and going down that route—it's a lifetime commitment to become a solicitor. Naturally, okay. you have to go through an LBC and, and various qualifications and training, etc., and work your way up the, you know, the corporate ladder. Um, however, I just—I I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would. Um, I enjoyed the studying part of it. I, you know, enjoyed learning about law, but practicing it—it it didn't really utilize all of my skills. It really didn't, kind of, it, you know, it didn't fit my personality type. I enjoy Meeting people, speaking with people, building relationships, being active—you uh, know—in a weird way, I kind of enjoyed the, the stress of a target-driven environment. Um, sure, sure. It, so it you wanted of...
0: to, you wanted to be in a job where you could interact with people, and when you did something, you could see results immediately. Precisely. Right? Yeah. But but then, how did that first recruitment job happen? Still, like, did did you apply? Did someone ask, tell you that you'd be great at this? Like,
1: oh, t- to be honest with you, I had a couple of friends that were already in recruitment in this uh, company in Brighton. This this very like decent company you know with a good group of people different ages different backgrounds but i had a few people from my old school that worked in recruitment and speaking to them it seemed like what they do day to day their life outside work the culture they have you know in the workplace fitted my personality type and coupled with that i was also finding out how much they were earning and you know on the salary i was and what
0: was was that back then and just just to share numbers right what did you make as a paralegal uh what six seven eight years ago yeah, yeah, it was a longer. long
1: time ago. So, as, as a paralegal, you know, you finish university, you get any role as a paralegal, you're looking at around 17 to 18k k year, 20k k year. Yeah, paralegal. and
0: so this is again to the audience, this is 17, 18,000 pounds, which would probably be about $25,000, give or take. Yeah,
1: roughly yeah. that. Um, while I had you know, friends of mine that did various degrees and went straight into recruitment in this in this firm in Brighton. And I was speaking to them and they were earning double that in their first year, you know, earning 40, 50. And that's annoying, um,
0: right? Because you know you're better than some of them. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, I mean, not I wasn't necessarily better than them. They were definitely very good. And when I eventually yeah, got yeah. into recruitment, I did learn a lot from them. Um, but it was just seeing the disparity between what, a, you know, a young person as a graduate can earn in their first year. And yeah. so, you know, what I was doing as well. Um, so it, for me to work my way up to get to 40, 50 would have taken many years of commitment. And I think unless you really, really love that field, unless you, yeah. you know, you have a genuine lifetime passion to become a solicitor. Um yeah. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't fitting for me or my ambitions, you know. So, so, so your
0: your love for capital
1: outstripped your love for the law. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> I, I still love the law. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's it's not necessarily just that. It's the fact that it was meritocratic, you know. Yeah, there were still, you know, recruiters out there that were on eighteen twenty k. That was the, what the basic yep. was, but yeah. the opportunity to increase your earning potential based on the amount of work you're willing to put in. Uh, based on the, you know, the, the amount of resilience you have as, as a sales individual, that is what kind of piqued my interest because I knew I could be resilient. Um, Got it. I'm, I'm and very how did you,
0: And going back to the question again, how did you get that job? Like, did you just call your friends and
1: did you be like, "Hey, can you can
0: you introduce me to your boss and get me a job?" Or did someone reach out to you? Like,
1: <laughs> no, to be honest with you, happened? I just I applied to lots of entry level recruitment roles. So it wasn't hard to get a recruitment role back then. Um, okay. You know, I, so, I mean, I, so, I had a law degree and I was cheap, so everyone wanted to hire me. W-
0: would you say the case is the same today? If someone has a is fresh out of college with a law degree or any other professional degree and they want to do recruitment, they could probably get a job quickly. Would you Would you say that's accurate or no?
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's very easy to, to get a job entry level. You know recruitment. There's loads of companies that yeah. you know would hire graduates, and and
0: and do you think that's because it's a hard job and not many people want to do it? Because it's fe- effectively a sales job, and and you're getting grinded basically every single day. And if you if you aren't up for it, it's it's a pretty depressing job to be in if you're bad at it and you hate yeah. picking up the phone and just calling random
1: people. It, it's true, but I mean because like you know as I mentioned earlier, graduates their salary expectations are a lot lower than experienced recruitment professionals naturally, yeah. right? So. Yeah. And I mean, not to mention any names, but you and I probably know lots of, lots of recruitment companies out there that would hire in bulk, they'd hire 10, 15 graduates yeah. yeah. for six months and then they keep three or four, right? It's like yeah. the Hunger Games. So, yeah, yeah. It, and it's, it's, you know, who survives, who's actually going to work out and they don't know, but they've got the capital to do it. So that's why, I mean, it's easy to get a job.
0: And the beautiful thing is the three or four that do make it, make up for the other 14 or 12 very quickly yeah, yeah. I mean technically I don't agree with it, but yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: that's the business model that they, they use. Yeah,
0: but 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 effectively if you're charging twenty percent and your average placement is like 70,000 pounds for mid senior type level role, you're 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 making fifteen, you're effectively making almost their entire year's compen- base compensation every time they make a placement. And if they're good, they're sometimes making two, three, four placements a month, right? The really good ones, right? Uh uh who know their stuff.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. when I first started in recruitment, um, my manager actually said to me, if you last longer than a year, then you might actually have a career in this field. <laughs> because most people don't. Right. Most people and you, within their and first you year, they, they leave.
0: You obviously lasted more than one year. Do you remember what you made your first full year as a recruiter? First full 12 months or first full calendar
1: year, whatever. Year uh, yes, I do. Um roughly but the thing is when i started i started doing contract recruitment which is slightly okay. different because with extensions and things you know it's not like permanent placement so i think in my first year i i did build just under 100 grand uh,
0: okay and how much but back then was what was the payout like was it like 25 percent of what you built 40 percent of what you built how did it the the commission yeah yeah the total pay right base pay plus commission
1: I think my base pay at the time was around twenty grand, or slightly okay. less, and with my commission, I, I took home about thirty, thirty-five in the first. Got it, year.
0: but but that was still like a sixty percent bump on what you were doing as a paralegal, right? Like,
1: well, exactly that. Yeah, as a you know, yeah. thirty-five is what I would have got as a qualified solicitor after two or three years of training.
0: Yeah, um, and so you, so you, you smashed that. Really and and do you think you even needed to go to law school to be the recruiter you are today, or could you have done it after high school? Um.
1: I probably could have done it straight after high school. I mean, I yeah. don't regret doing my, my degree. Industry uh, has taught me various things. It's not the um, avenue I've gone down. But looking back at my, my university and, and the, you know, the people I studied with, my, my colleagues and peers at the time, not a single one of them is actually a lawyer right now. Of course. Um, but would you do it again? Like, if, if you were sent back in
0: time, would you, would you do the three, four-year law degree again? Or would no, you just no, no, start working do. straight up?
1: I, I would start working straight away. I would do an okay. apprenticeship scheme. I, I would try and get into work straight away. Got it.
0: Got it. And is that what you recommend when you like meet younger folks that are asking you for advice? Because now you are that successful older person that that has done it
1: before. Um, I, I suppose yes, yes, well, yes, and no. I mean, if you really have a desire for a certain profession that requires you to have a particular degree, by all means, you need that degree to get through, right? But yeah. I see a lot of people. They, they, you know, they finish college, finish school, and and they just go to university because they don't know what else to do. Um. So you end up doing three or four years at university, and you think by the end of it you're going to figure it out, but you yeah. don't. You, know, <laughs> you don't. Yeah. You're as lost and, as you were before, just a uh, bit more and, bad, are, and a bit uh, more drunk.
0: As a professional recruiter, and you've been a professional recruiter on, you know, a billable recruiter for for more than five years, right? Uh close of, between five and ten years. Do you remember what you did in your best year? Like, how much did you build the best year? Can you give us a range? Was it like more than quarter million pounds? Yes. Yeah. Was it more than half a million? No. Okay, so between a quarter million and <laughs> half a million, that, that's yeah. that's a decent enough range, right? Yeah. I think I think in in the UK, if you're building three hundred thousand pounds, you're like absolute top tier, right? You're in the top five percent.
1: Yes, uh, I mean, I, I was never Jewish. a top biller though. I was never a top biller in, in in any business I worked for. That wasn't my skill. That wasn't my skill. Just to, you know, to constantly bill. And I mean, you you know, my my business partner Jermaine, like yeah, he's always he's always been a top biller. Um, he's been so a top has biller has Jermaine had a year
0: where he did more than half a million in yeah. billings? Yeah. So so he's he's the sales machine basically. You're you're more like the operational guru that's like setting, making sure the engine keeps running and doesn't blow up
1: yeah i suppose more yeah um, i mean we we split various responsibilities but you know looking at, you know in at Ingham jones we you know, we split various responsibilities based on skills who who's good at what and who owns which part of you know the organization in terms of running it but looking at previous businesses cause i've worked with Jermaine at two different businesses before we set up ingham jones um, yeah. he's he's what you'd regard as a top biller uh, if if you look at a mindset of a top biller and how they constantly achieve, he's and, he's the guy to speak to about that, Sean. Sure and
0: and <laughs> and sure. And and for the folks who are in the UK and maybe even outside the UK, who are like, okay, like how much does a good recruiter make of of their billings? Like, uh, how's that compensation set up? Would, it, would it, is it like 20, 25 percent of what you build? So if you build say four hundred grand, you make a hundred uh, net of base and commissions. Is that a rough rough accurate figure? Or is is the percentage higher or lower? would you say?
1: I mean, every, every business has its own commission structure. Um, sure. And I've seen some commission structures, which regardless of how much you try and dissect it, it's, it's difficult to figure out <laughs> what your <laughs> earnings would be. But if you look at just a, a generic base model, yeah. it's in and about 15 to 20% of your billings is what you'd get as commission. Got it.
0: And how have you now going down? So you've obviously not just it's not just you and Jermaine doing this. You've you've hired a team and built it out. How have you set up the commission structure
1: at your business? So um, we've actually set up the commission structure with no thresholds. Um, okay. It's, it's very risky. So, for example, um, you know, the majority of businesses, they will have a threshold in place. So a consultant will have to bill a certain amount. And then once they've done that, whatever they do after it, then they get their 20% cut. Yeah. We don't. If you, whatever placements you make on your first deal, you immediately get your percentage in commission.
0: And is it is it the same percent? Is it like 20, twenty, fifteen, ten? Like is, is, yes, yes. Um, is, it's it's which of these twenty percent? twenty percent. So that's pretty generous, right? Like it's not it's yeah. not like you're being cheap on it. Uh, it it's not no. like you're saying you'll start from zero, but we give you ten or. Uh, but then you, you would have the top billers leave because they'd be like, hey, if I'm killing it, I can just go somewhere else and make more money
1: anyway. But the thing is, if you're going to attract someone to join your business, right, um, and they're yeah. already doing well, you have yeah. to just, you know, offer them a bigger piece of the pie, offer them a commission structure that's more lucrative. Yeah. Um. So they are incentivized. That's what, that's what recruiters are incentivized by, you know, the, the culture, development, the training, that's all a given nowadays. But eventually they are looking at their annual earnings. How can they earn more? based on what they yeah. do right?
0: but but aren't you worried about a situation where say you're paying someone a 20 25k base and they only bill like 20k and you're literally paying them 4k on commission for that but you, they probably and that's don't why businesses
1: have thresholds right because yeah. they avoid they mitigate that risk so to yeah. answer your question am i worried about that yeah <laughs> i'd be yeah. lying to say i'm not yeah um but at the same time if we create a performance culture um, if we create, a, you know, a target driven culture and everyone around you is succeeding and we have the right infrastructure in place, the right roles, the right account management, sure. um, the right people in the right seats. In theory, that shouldn't happen. Um, sure. And that's, of course. that's and, why we went for it.
0: And if it does, you'd, you'd probably have to let some people go. Right. If someone's just not performing after like a year in recruitment, they're, they're probably not never going to like really perform.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. it's obviously in, in yeah. and, any and, recruit and ha- business that's ha- the case after a year you, no one's performing
0: <laughs> have you had to do that already like in your new business have you ever had to like let someone go because they just
1: weren't panning out no, not no yet. that's good no well not yet and hopefully not ever because you know when we when we came to hire um it was a very stringent process and we we did interview so many people um and we were very careful because you know, the business is all about the people inside it, right? And, and the people sure. that will help it grow. Yeah. So we were really careful. We really did our due diligence. And we wanted to hire people that, you know, that, that were just the winners, right? They're not going to fail. Failure is not part of their DNA. And we knew that they can fit in and they will progress and, and they will do well.
0: And, and a few questions about you coming into this business, right? So what, you know, if you were a reasonably successful professional, right? Making, I'm guessing, between... 50 and 100 thousand pounds right is that is that an accurate range of what you would probably be making uh, as a professional as a Uh, consultant you mean? as a consultant as a consultant but by by yourself but when you were working uh, at a business what made you sort of say hey you know what i'm going to scrap this and i'm going to just do an entire company myself i'm going to set up a company i'm going to set up this office get the interior done hire people make sure they're paid it's a pain right like it's it's not a lot of it sucks right yeah hopefully you'll make a lot more money but yeah what what went through your head where you were like okay we're just going to start this by ourselves one two how much money did you actually or between the two of you did you guys put aside to like get this started
1: um so to, to answer the first question uh yeah obviously it's it's a lot of work and a lot of commitment but the reason the driving force behind it was to Try and build something um, that was forward-thinking, that was a bit more advanced in it in its infrastructure, right? So sure. uh, it was during the pandemic that you know it was quite apparent that not many businesses were were built or designed to you know withstand any sort of adaptation in the market. Yeah. They were just doing things the way they always used to, and there you know we I was interviewing in a lot of places, and and going in there's a, in, a, in a manager role they give you the perception that you do have full reins to build a team and create a culture that's so difficult to do in a business where they've already built a culture before you got there yeah. um so although you know that those kind of opportunities were promised I knew there was no way I can go into an existing business and build the culture the way that I it. right um and Jermaine was like minded he wanted to build a culture performance-based culture a culture that's rewarding that's progressive, and you know, if if you look at the values that we set for the business, we did this before we set it up. We thought, what are the three key things that we are gonna hire, develop, fire around? What sure, three but, but
0: didn't didn't you have financial goals as well? Like because most people like me, I know I started this business to make a lot of money, right? Like yeah. I start, I started my software company because I was like, hey, I, I want to make a lot of money, and the way I can do it by owning a successful global business. Yeah, and so w- was was that also like a part of the formula of why you started a business you thought you could maybe take home 2x or 3x as much if you did it right
1: um to be honest with you not really no because if we wanted to if you wanted to just earn as much money as possible we wouldn't have hired anyone we wouldn't have built a team we would have worked just jermaine as I as independent consultants and get all the money right when you invest into a business you know like you said you're invested into the premise into the tech into the people into the legal side of things the hr side of things so you're investing a lot of your money back um, and you don't necessarily see the reward of that or the you know the return on that straight away for a while exactly so we thought that the money will come it will be a byproduct of any success we have in building the business um so that was the goal really the goal initially was to build the business
0: And and Nader, so on the second question, right, so did you guys have a budget that you set when you started this, that this is the most amount of money we're willing to lose in the first five or six months uh, before we, you know, jump ship if it doesn't work out? And it's obviously worked out, which is why you guys are doing it. But was that a strategy or was it like, hey, we're going to keep doing this till we're either successful or we get wiped out?
1: To be honest with you, you can ask Jermaine that question because... We, we did have a budget and Jermaine, you, yeah. know, in, you know, we did have a budget set up with. Um, but me personally, I didn't have a budget. I was willing to lose it all. I was, okay, doing, that, that was, was it. it. I, I said, to, I said to myself, <laughs> okay, I, okay, I'm bad not going to go guys.
0: back. Bad advice. <laughs> yeah, it's bad advice.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I don't recommend <laughs> like, it. But mentally, yeah. I wasn't in the mind frame of, right, if okay. this doesn't work or if I run out of money at this point, I'm going to go back to working you know, in yeah. a recruitment business, for someone yeah. else, yeah. my, my point was it's going to work because I have no choice. You know, I'm, I'm willing to drive myself into the ground until it, it works. And and
0: and at what point did you decide that you needed to hire more people? Because m- most recruitment businesses, right? If you're two or three partners starting out, uh, especially if you're not a solo recruiter and you're, you're, you're a bunch of partners starting out, folks wait for like a year or so till they have a bunch yeah. of clients, a bunch of yeah. recs. And they're like, we're making a lot of money now. And we should like, start stepping back from certain things and scale up but you guys have started hiring pretty early on right i think yeah. uh when did you start interviewing the first few employees how many months in uh, Six in months in. yeah six which is very 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 early right you're literally yeah. in and uh, like do you, uh, do you know do you remember how much you'd build before you started recruiting
1: yeah uh well we hit our target we hit our annual target in six months um, oh wow so wow. we, we, if we expected if you don't
0: if you don't mind me asking what was the annual target you set for yourself when the both of you started i, I can't disclose that okay Sean. i can't you got it she got my, it my, was,
1: was it <laughs>
0: was it more than 100k or less than
1: 100k it was more
0: <laughs> okay good good and 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 now that now that you you know you you broke whatever beyond 100k your target was and you guys you guys started hiring people did you did you did you think about hiring freshers, like people fresh out of college, fresh graduates? Or were you like, no, we're we're only gonna hire people that have already done this successfully, even if it costs if, even if it costs like 30 or 40k instead of 15 yeah. or 18? Um,
1: absolutely, yeah, the latter. We we wanted to hire experienced professionals. We knew it was gonna cost a lot more. Um it's gonna cost a lot more in the basic to try and win them over, but also in the commission yeah. structure and the benefits that we offer. Yeah. Um but that's only because we weren't built to bring on graduates and make sure they succeed. Yeah. Um, sure. And most companies aren't unless they have a learning and development function. Yeah, regardless yeah, of can. what they say to you, they can't do it. They, right? they don't have the capacity.
0: And and like is is any of the new hires you have made because now you're a team of 5 or 6 people. Is that accurate? Something yeah, like six. That? Yeah, six. Is any of the other four people that you've hired now billing more than you or Jermaine? No. Not yet. Not because that's the goal, right? As as business owners eventually at some point someone you hire needs to start billing more than you because that's literally uh, that'd be great yeah yeah because <laughs> yeah, you're absolutely. managing the business right because then you manage the business and they actually execute yeah uh, uh, is there a goal set for that too like hey I, by hopefully in the year 2022 we get to a quarter where at least one person starts billing more than the both of you or something like that or or do you not care about that, is that no is we that do not...
1: but i think it will come with scale i think naturally as yeah. we scale um you know, both mine and Jermaine's roles will not be, you know, as 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 heavy on the billing front um, and naturally be the more operational or team management. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that the, the fact of the matter is we enjoy billing. We really, in, we enjoy recruitment. Yeah. We enjoy the full life cycle of it. We're both 360 consultants. So we like to, you know, to, develop new relationships win new relationships and deliver on the work and see the you know the fruits of, of our labor and see the you know the product of our success sure. so we'll always be 360 consultants yeah. um, and i mean we don't know whether next year or the year after we will have you know a team whereby there are better and people, stronger billers in the business sure, uh, sure but there's definitely an opportunity and platform for people to do that
0: and now for people that are like, no, this the whole entrepreneurship, it's hard and you're you're probably not going to make money for three or four years. Would it be accurate to say that you will, you and Jermaine, outside of just taking maybe the same salary you were taking, the base salary you were taking before the business will turn a profit this year? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and no, we, we've not, we've not hired above our means. We've always, uh, yeah. you know, kept so, in line. So it's always profitable.
0: So you're, you're going to be a profitable company that's paying taxes and so on. Would would it be accurate? And you don't have to give me exact numbers, but would it be accurate to say that like this year, which is your, this is your first full year
1: doing? Yes. Doing yeah, last week was our first full year.
0: Brilliant. And and in your first full year between you and Jermaine, did you end up making, taking home more money than you had as professional uh, consultants before that or less? No, less. Okay. And is, is that because you just reinvested a bunch of money into the business yeah. or because, okay. So it wasn't yeah. because you weren't able to generate the revenue. It was just because you were hiring more people and putting it back. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah we kept, we can, you know, we still keep a lot in the business. Uh, Got it. I think Got naturally it. you have to as a reserve. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, it, so it's more of a choice that you haven't taken home more versus yeah. we just didn't make as much money and hopefully we'll make it later right? Yeah. Which, which, is, which is a good place to be. And, and uh, Nader, now to the flip side, what's the shittiest part about running your own business versus working at someone's business?
1: Accounting. <laughs>
0: and I I'm, I'm, I imagine you're the only person doing it because you said Jermaine and you have split responsibility. So he's doing <laughs> the fun stuff.
1: It, to be honest with you, he does help me out with it a lot. He's not necessarily just doing the fun stuff. Um, we both look after it, the accounting side of things, but yeah. it's just the most stressful part because you know, yeah. it's it's a slippery slope from getting things right, getting things yeah. wrong. Oh, and you still have
0: to do taxes and stuff, right? Which is even worse. <laughs> like,
1: yeah yeah that's yeah, yeah
0: so, that's yeah, yeah never fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you need to do uh, you need to outsource all of that as soon as possible before you buy a rope and hang yourself because it's, it's torture. <laughs> no we do it's, we have <laughs> we actually
1: have a very good accountant and obviously they, they take okay. care of most of it but i, I still like to understand and, and keep an eye on things because of course of course because you, know, you can't be that with us doesn't it
0: yeah because you can't be that entrepreneur that doesn't know how much money is in the bank or like, exactly. <laughs> like yeah because that's just that's just ridiculous right <laughs> like uh and okay so the the worst part about your business accounting it, it Please don't give me the cliche answer for this question, but what's the best part about running your business? Please don't tell me it's the
1: people or talking to people or something like that. But like, like <laughs>
0: what's, the, what's the best
1: part about your business outside of
0: meeting new people and
1: talking to them? And um, to be honest with you, I suppose it, it's watching um, growth, you know, within the business, yeah. watching it, you know, month on month work towards, you know, vision that you set yourself. yeah uh, Seeing that is the best part because you can control most elements of it. Um, and I, I suppose that that control and, and having the oversight to enable that, that's probably the best part.
0: Yeah. And 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 uh, what are the sort of things that you didn't expect you'd have to do in this business that you ended up having to do? Like going in, right? You have a certain expectation that these are the things that are going to be easy. These yeah. are the things that are going to be hard. So what's something that
1: you didn't expect to do that you had to start doing Um, well I didn't expect to do so much of it and that's probably IT and admin yeah Um, I'm not I'm not like you Sean I'm not a a tech guy so when there is an issue when there was an issue in the first four months you know I remember Jermaine I looked at each other and we're like well neither of us have cut out to this let's let's bring in someone who can help and you look around and there's no one there (laughs) because it's just us so you have to figure it out and that's one thing i didn't expect to do have to learn how to do all of these things why is your
0: website not working
1: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah so that's one thing i didn't expect to have to do so constantly
0: it's torture and 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 what's the what are the growth plans for the next year or two right so when you when you look at your business and you have four good people now you've hired it's you and your partner do you do you want to basically just be like six, seven, eight people, and like make sure everyone's billing more over the next couple of years, or do you want to no. do you want this to be a twenty-person company? Uh,
1: yeah, twenty, maybe even more. We haven't put a ceiling okay. on it. We haven't put okay. a cap on on the growth. It's not like we want to get to ten then stop. Um, yeah. If we continue to progress and everyone in the team continues to progress, then naturally that will enable and fuel the growth. So yeah. you know, I, I don't know how how you know how how big it can get, um, yeah. but I'm certainly not putting any limitations on it. And and when
0: do you expect to break your first million in revenues? Pretty soon. I'll text you. Pretty, once we do. Done, <laughs> done, done. But you don't have like a date where you're like 2022 or 2023 is the year we have to do a million. Uh, we we do have a date, um, but again, but I'm, sure it, I, I want, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I want to jinx it. The, that, that's, <laughs> don't don't jinx it. But like, and you don't have to. You don't have to tell me the date. But do you have like the date written somewhere on your office where every time someone walks in, they're like. This is where we got again, something like that.
1: <laughs> no, not that but we, we, no, it's not that hardcore. It's not that hardcore. We did run through it on the strategy meeting last week, um, but it's not cemented or engraved in the wall just yeah, yet. <laughs> yeah, cool, cool. Uh,
0: and uh, now there's a lot of people starting new businesses, right? And watching this, and they're like, hey, maybe I can do this too, or maybe, maybe uh, I should, I should go get a job in recruitment. What's your advice to someone that's currently working either? you know, in-house at a corporate as a recruiter or someone working at a recruitment business, a headhunting firm. And they're like, Hey, maybe I want to start my own business. What, what advice would you give them?
1: Um, well, I mean, the first bit of advice, I suppose, is make sure you have a supportive family unit behind you, whether it's a yep. partner, you know, that you live with a wife, husband, whatever, uh, make sure they're fully behind you. Cause you'll need their support yep. certainly for the first six months and, um, emotionally, mentally, yes. uh, maybe even financially at some points, but you need their understanding on that. Um, and internally, also make sure you have a support function with a business partner of some sort. I mean, okay. I can't imagine doing this on my own. I think whoever you know sets up on their own, I know a couple of sole entrepreneurs that have built businesses are just you know way better than I am because you, you need or, someone right next to
0: you. Or they're crazy. Right? Or they're like crazy,
1: they're like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, hey, basically.
0: You've, I'm sure you've met quite a few of those too, right? Like there's something wacky about the folks that are it like, is. they're either they're either brilliant or there's something a little wacky about folks that are just doing it alone for like 10 years.
1: Yeah, out <laughs> there is. Exactly, exactly that. Maybe a bit of both, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a good partner is, is obviously so, you know, paramount.
0: And, and we probably talked about this earlier in this call, but if, if you were put in a time machine, sent back to meet your 20-year-old self, and you only had five minutes to give yourself advice, what advice would you give yourself?
1: Um, it, it would probably just not to look so much around you and what other people are doing. Um, just try and focus on yourself and just getting better every day. Um, I think my 20-year-old self and lots of you know, people who look back would just say they tried to mimic people in their peer group and follow their route but you've got your own individual path and just stay focused on that
0: got it and there you have it guys get better every single day that's (laughs) natter and thanks for doing this natter
1: we really appreciate it thanks for having me sean it was a pleasure
0: and that's all for today's episode of recruitment entrepreneurs like and follow us if you like today's episode and want to hear more stories from the world of recruitment